We are in our second week, our second week of our membership series. Now, I recognize the irony of talking about membership to an empty room. But what's cool about this is this reminds us that church is so much more than a building. So, membership. Last week, we t- I talked about two big foundational principles around membership. Two big foundational principles. First, that membership is about growing spiritually, not belonging to a club. Second, we don't exist for ourselves. We don't exist for ourselves. If you, if you weren't here yesterday and you haven't watched yet, you definitely you watch this, listen to it, because this, this, these two ideas are critical to understanding what it means and what it looks like to be a part of of the River Life body, to be a member at River Life. So, um, with that, if I, for this week, for this week, I want to open with a question, okay? And so this is a question for all of you out in Facebook land. Are you ready? So what's the most embarrassing thing that you've done at church? Think about that. Go ahead and post, keep it short, MPG. But what's the most embarrassing thing you've done at church? Well, I can tell you while, while people are posting, I'll tell you a couple of mine. So yes, I have actually farted in the middle of a prayer. Thankfully, not my own prayer. That would have been even worse. And it was not a silent but deadly. It was just deadly. Uh, yeah, so that actually happened. Okay? But one of the funniest ones was that we were, at, we were at a Hmong church. This whole sermon was a Hmong. And that's tough. It's tough to sit through an hour and a half where I barely understand anything. The sermon is going on, and I'm getting tired and sleepy, and I start doing the head nod thing. I fall asleep so hard. My head falls down. I whip it back. I injure my neck. I injured my neck falling asleep in church. Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. So what about you? What about you? What's, what's the most embarrassing thing that you've ever done at church? Um, while, while we got a few more uh, responses coming in, I asked Pastor Kong this. And, and he, so he told me a story of how he, when he was a kid that he pooped his pants in Sunday school. Now, all little kids pooped his pants, okay? But, but he was in seventh grade. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, he wasn't. But, but he did try to pass it off as if nothing was wrong. <laughs> and he just sort of carried the load for a while until we figured one of the teachers, he, he figured one of the teachers smelled him out and got him cleaned up. Okay, here we go. Let's, ooh, go, so from Kyle, um, accidentally pulled my shirt off when I took off my jacket in the second row. Oh, nice to be an awkward junior higher again. Uh, yeah, so no taking off shirts because this is nothing you want to see on a Sunday morning. Let's see. Called someone by the wrong name. Oh, my goodness. That is like a regular occurrence. That's the secret reason why we do name tags around here is just to help us n- try to prevent and minimize that. Let's see what else. Are, are, oh, yeah, there you go. Kia saying the same thing. Um, plenty of wrong names. Let's see. Fall asleep during a prayer at the women's conference. Oh, yeah. Okay, fall asleep during a prayer. Yeah, there's, there's a special place in hell when we fall asleep for people who fall asleep in a sermon, but falling asleep in prayer, yeah, just God help us both here. That's okay. No, that's okay. Okay, so there are, see, there are a ton of really embarrassing things that we could do in church. There are a lot of bad things we could do in church, but you know, there's one thing, there's one thing that's the worst. 
There's one thing that genuinely is the worst thing we can do in church. What is that? Complain. Complain. See, let me just say this up front. I want to thank you. River Life family, I want to thank you that we do not have a complaining culture here at church. I love it, and thank you so much. Because I hear from other pastors, and I am just shocked at the stuff they have to deal with that we don't deal with around here. Because complaining is not our vibe. That is not the way we do things. And so I want to thank you, every one of you, who is a part of the River Life family. Thank you that we don't have a complaining culture here at River Life. We don't have it now, and I intend to keep it that way. And so that's why. That's why we're talking about this. Why is it so important to me as the pastor, as the shepherd of this flock, why is it so important that we do not have a complaining culture around here? Well, it's because complaining destroys churches. Complaining destroys churches. Doesn't matter if you're complaining to a friend, a ministry leader, or straight to me. Complaining destroys churches. See, and here are four ways that complaining shows up in a church. Here are four different ways, four different people who tend to be complainers around church. So first is the armchair critic. This is the person who comes up and goes, oh, the music's too loud. The sanctuary was too cold. We're not doing enough in the community. This is the person that the armchair critic is the person who's quick to point out something wrong. They have, they have the spiritual gift of discernment of failure and fault. Okay, they just see automatically see what's wrong, and they will tell you okay, about the service, about the people, the leadership, everything. So there's the armchair critic. Okay? Second is there's the advice giver. Now, the advice giver, this is the person who tells you exactly how something should be done. Okay? Anything that begins... Can I give you a small suggestion? Uh, buckle up, because it's going to be an ugly conversation. Or, or this is one of my favorites. Well, in my previous church, and in my head, I'm like, well, you're welcome to go back to your previous church. So th- these, are the, these are the advice givers. They always seem to, to have an idea of what you, what we as a church should be doing. Okay. And in reality, the advice giver actually isn't a help to the church. They're really just an arrogant know-it-all. So that's the second. The third, the third way a complainer shows up in church is the me-focused church. So this is the person who thinks, thinks, well, what about me? I didn't really like the songs in worship today. Or, or no one visited me when I was sick. I don't like the church anymore. Okay? This is the person who usually sees the church as a way, as a place to serve them. And then fourth, fourth is the gossip. The gossip, we all know this person. Maybe you're this person. This is the person for whom talking about someone behind their back might be as common as binge-watching Netflix. But the truth is, the Bible calls that sin. So we have the gossip. So, which of these resonate with you? Now, come up, be honest. 
It's just you, me, and the entire internet. You can be honest. Which of these resonates with you a little bit? Is it, is it the armchair critic? The advice giver? The me-focused person? Or the gossip? Well, all of this raises an interesting question. Is complaining really all that bad? Because most complainers think, I'm, I'm just trying to help. Why is it really all that bad? Well, it is really that bad because complainers rarely stay complainers. You see, complainers become critics, and critics become agitators, and agitators become dividers. Let me say that again. Complainers become critics who become agitators who become dividers. And there are few things that the New Testament speaks as strongly against as it does division in the church. So we're going to look at one of those passages. It's out of the book of Romans, chapter 16. It's, we're going to start with verse 17. So if you have a Bible in front of you or your Bible app, open that up, because uh, obviously we don't have anything projected up on the screen. Um, but you can, you can also see it in the bulletin, riverlifemn.com slash bulletin, or in the app. So hopefully you've got some scripture in front of you in one form or another. Because we're going to read this, and, and we're going to read out of the NIV. So you, if you've got an NIV Bible, or flip to it in the app. Okay? So here it is, Romans 16, starting with verse 17. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving the Lord, uh, not serving the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. So he begins, the Apostle Paul begins with, watch out. Now, nobody says watch out to something good. Watch out, there's a sale on donuts. Watch out, there's a double rainbow in the sky. No, no, no. You only say watch out with something really bad. And the Apostle Paul is saying, watch out. Watch out for some people. In fact, the Bible literally says, stay away from them. So who are these people we should be staying away from? Well, people who cause divisions. See, complainers divide churches and damage believers. Let me say that again. Complainers divide churches and damage believers. See, I bet that every single church split that has ever happened in the entire history of church splits began with someone complaining. That's how it always starts. And then that complainer becomes a critic, and that critic becomes an agitator, and that agitator becomes a divider. So Paul says, watch out. And then he elaborates four different ways 
that complainers divide churches and damage believers. Four ways. First, create, uh, uh, complainers create obstacles for others to come to Christ. Complainers create obstacles for others to come to Christ. So one of the values when we launched River Life was that we wanted to remove as many obstacles as we could from people coming to Jesus. And the truth is, many of you have left churches because they put up obstacles in your way. Many of you have left churches because they complained about your hair, your dress, your tattoos. You're too short, too high, too quiet, too loud. And people, that's, that's kind of the way we work, is that our natural tendency is to put obstacles in front of other people. Some other Bible versions translate this as stumbling blocks. See, complainers actually put stumbling blocks in front of other people. And we won't have that here. That's not the way we're going to do church. So, second, complainers do not follow biblical teaching. Complainers do not follow biblical teaching. And Paul says it right in there. See, there is always sin and bad theology behind a well-intentioned complainer. There is always sin and bad theology behind a well-intentioned complainer. It's things like self-righteousness, hard-heartedness, ingratitude, lack of trust in God, disbelief in God's goodness, or rejection of spiritual authority. And this list could just go on and on. See, nobody ever complains with a good heart. There's always a dark part of that heart. Third, complainers do not serve Jesus. They serve their own interests. See, complainers do not serve Jesus. They serve their own interests. See, I have never met a Jesus-centered complainer. I've just never met them. They might be out there. I've never met them. I've never met a complainer who is filled with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. See, they might think they're led by the Spirit, but the truth is they're not. That's what Paul says. They're led by their appetites. Other translations give that as by their own self-interests. See, they're not serving Jesus. They think they're helping. Most complainers think they're helping. But they're not. They're not serving Jesus. They're serving themselves. Okay, I think we got a question. What is a healthy way to disagree without it sounding like complaining? Excellent question. That's from Kyle. Say again, what is a healthy way to disagree without it sounding like complaining? Funny you should ask. I'm actually going to give you some suggestions, some healthy ways to disagree and voice disagreement without complaining. And I'm going to give you those in just a few more minutes. So way to go, Kyle. Thank you. Um, that, so let's hit the fourth one. The fourth characteristic of complainers. Complainers deceive others. Now, this one might not seem obvious at first, okay? But there's one practice that I have seen every complainer do. 
Every single complainer I have ever experienced has always done this. They talk to other people. They talk to other people. Because they want to find allies. They want to find people who agree with them or that they can convince. Because then if other people agree with you, then you're not wrong. It helps strengthen their, their case, their belief that they're right. Okay? They feel more justified in their opinion. And see, this passage even says directly that they're smooth talkers and they use flattery to gain followers. See, that's how complainers become critics who become agitators, who become dividers. That's how a church splits is a person reaches out to other people and tries to find allies and people who agree with them or that they could convince through flattery and smooth talk. And that's how a church splits or a ministry leader gives up or a person leaves the church. That's how it happens. So remember, complainers divide churches. And they damage believers. So, now we return to the question that Kyle asked up online just a few minutes ago. How can we not be one of these people? How can we not be one of these people that, that Paul speaks against that can divide churches and damage believers? It doesn't mean we have to always agree. We're never going to always agree. But there is a way to disagree and even voice disagreement without being a complainer that can divide churches and damage believers. So here are four remedies to being a critic. Four remedies to being a critic. First, be humble. Be humble. I've never known a complainer who shows humility. It's almost always self-righteousness. You just start with being humble. Complainers often talk in terms of they're overly confident, self-righteous, and usually oblivious to the fact that they're overly confident and self-righteous. So you know the best way to not be a complainer? Start with being humble. That's the first one. The second one is this. Speak directly to the person. Speak directly to the person that you have a concern or an issue with. This is probably the most important one. Because most church conflict, I believe most church conflict could be avoided if the person who has an issue were to go to talk to one person And only that person they had an issue with and not anybody else. That's what the Bible says in Matthew 18. The Bible actually tells us that we should go to a person directly first. So, so my challenge to you is refuse to talk about another person to somebody else. Absolutely refuse it. And then if somebody ever comes up to you wanting to talk about somebody else, 
If someone ever comes up to you and said, hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? Just say, talk to the hand, because the face ain't listening. Is that old enough to be cool again? Can we count that as retro? Otherwise, I just looked really, really silly. Give him the hand, okay? So that, that's what you need, is talk directly to the person. Third, so be humble. Talk directly to the person. Third, ask questions more than you give opinions. Ask questions more than you give opinions. See, complainers are very quick to give their opinion. And complainers rarely ask questions. And when they do, it's usually, it's not really a question. It's one of those questions that is meant to find a critique and hopefully prove you wrong. It's an easy solution. Ask questions to learn and understand rather than state opinions. Okay, let's see. We got another question here. Um, uh, Let's see. Where was it? Uh, Oh, I think think it's already scrolled up. Tommy, what was the question? What happens if we feel as though we won't be accepted into the church anymore after complaints have been dropped? Okay. What happens if we feel like we, we, we won't be accepted into a church after a complaint is addressed? Well, hopefully... You never experience that here at River Life. Because I'm the first to admit, like, we don't get everything right. And we've made changes in response to people bringing up a concern. And I think if you do it in a way that we're talking about here, where it's in humility, where you're talking directly to a person, and you're, um, you're uh, focusing on oh, asking questions instead of giving opinions. If you're doing that sort of stuff and the church still rejects you or ostracizes you or makes you feel like you're a bad person for asking that question, you need to find a new church because there are some problems with their leadership and their sense of control. Um, and I pray that you, you have never experienced that here at River Life. And if you have, you PM me. And we will work through this because that is never how a church should handle someone who disagrees with them. Um, so I gave you three: is be humble, okay, and then oh yeah, speak directly to the person. Ask more questions than you do give opinions, and ask questions to understand. Because see, here's the truth: at least about River Life. Almost everything you see and experience at River Life was an intentional choice. We are a very intentional church. And so if you see something, chances are at some point we made a decision for it to be that way. And there's a reason behind it. And if you start asking, say, tell me why you do this. You give us an opportunity to dialogue and to help you understand why we made the choice we did. And fourth is help solve a problem rather than just point it out. See, complainers love to point out problems, but get very reluctant to help solve problems. Because you might see something that is a legitimate problem. So my challenge is to be a person who helps solve problems and not just point them out.
So one of my favorite ways to, to deal with a complainer, someone comes up to me and is like, oh, we need, we need more people in the nursery. I'm like, awesome, when can you sign up? Um, 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 um. It's amazing how quickly a conversation ends when I do that. Okay, so just be forewarned, if you want to come complain to me, I am going to ask you to help solve the problem. Okay, so there you have it. I want to close with a quote. I want to close with a quote from a, a Christian author and activist, Shane Claiborne. It says this, There is a movement bubbling up that goes beyond cynicism and celebrates a new way of living, a generation that stops complaining about the church it sees and becomes the church it dreams of. So River Life, help us become the church you dream of. Help us become the church God wants us to be. That doesn't happen with complaining. That happens with coming together in humility, following Matthew 18, talking with people directly, not talking behind people's backs. It means asking questions and learning and understanding. And then when there's an opportunity to solve a problem, you step up. You step up and help us be the church God wants us to be.